Welcome to the Unfeigned Faith Bible Study, where we'll be doing a weekly Bible study, typically going through a book of the Bible together, and uh, this will go alongside our regular Unfeigned Faith podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Got another uh, Bible uh, lesson for us today, and I uh, brought my wife with me um, today. I thought that'd be nice to just kind of have a discussion together. But in Colossians, we're in chapter 2 now. Remember, uh, chapter 1 had ended where... Uh, Paul was talking about uh, his laboring in the saying of the gospel and the mystery uh, church age, as he talked about the, the, the mystery that was committed to him. And he's laboring for them. And chapter 2 starts off, For I would that ye knew that great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now he's going to go into a portion of being kind of settled in the knowledge of Christ, and not being pulled away from uh, from other philosophies, other theologies. And um, uh, verse 2, it says, <clears throat> um, for all those members, he's writing to a church, this church at Coloss- uh, Colossae, they've never met Paul. And so he's trying to encourage them. He's excited about what he's heard from them, their faith and just zeal for the Lord, love they had for each other. And uh, in verse 2, he says, uh, for all those that had not seen him yet, and uh, for those of Laodicea, he was very burdened about them. He said that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all richness, uh, all riches of the full assurance of understanding. Interesting there, he connects assurance with understanding. Uh, and uh, to, to acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Interesting, if we go back to Proverbs, it talks about how wisdom and knowledge are both found in the fear of God. He says he wants them to have an understanding and wisdom and knowledge, just like he prayed for them in chapter 1, that they would have uh, the full understanding, this knowledge and this wisdom and, uh, and the love of Christ. So he says, I want you all to be knit together in this thing, in the, in the riches of the full assurance of understanding. Uh, how awesome that is. Assurance comes from understanding. With all three people that got saved this week, they've all been in church for many years. Uh, one's a, one has uh, been on the mission field as a, as a the, the teenager. And, uh, and the issue starts coming up about assurance. How do I know I'm saved? You know, John addressed it in 1 John. He says, uh, he's writing that you would know that you have eternal life. And, uh, and so when this question starts arising, how do I know? Uh, where does this assurance come from? Well, it comes from uh, 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 an, under, uh, an understanding. He says he wants you to have all wisdom and understanding. We're going to go a little deeper uh, later on this week into what he's going to be talking about, about philosophy and, and things like that, that will pull us away from really the simplicity of Christ. But, uh, you know, we've done an interesting thing. And, uh, uh, well, let me, let me back up. Some of the things that Carrie and I have talked about, and, and uh, it's kind of interesting. You know, we haven't been assembling. Uh, physically and in person as a church. Mm-hmm. We have not been having our uh, kids programs. And in fact, someone told me this week their their uh, their daughter was praying over their breakfast. And uh, it was actually yesterday and, um, and before the before the church service. And she said she prayed, uh, Lord, let pastor preach longer than an hour. <laughs> and he told this to me as one of our young young girls in the church. And he said, you know, she doesn't have their kids program, doesn't have Sunday school. He said, uh, even even our kids are hungry for the word, which, boy, that's so blessed my heart. But um, but what do you think, Carrie, um, 
is is causing these these times now of um uh of kind of wondering now you know because there, there's less assembling we're not coming together um like we ought to be uh why why now do you think people are kind of man i don't it's bothering them i don't know if i'm saved you know we kind of we talked about a couple of things but what do you think one thing i've been thinking of is whether we might um rely a little bit too much on momentum or excitement from other people's spirituality or other people's Christian walk, whether it's our families or friends in the church or um, being preached to a lot, the pastor's energy, that kind of thing. Um, if we, you know, everybody comes together and then we feel really good about um, the the things that we've checked off of our spiritual to-do list and, um, and we leave thinking, you know, um, that we have a great, you know, walk with God and things, um, sort of, I, I think I, I use the word strength in numbers, uh, but just feeling like we collectively have a really strong walk with the Lord because we have done this, our church is doing this and our church meets together and we do this. And suddenly all of that is stripped away and it's just you and your family at your house day after yeah. day after day. And all that you have is all that you do with the Lord in, in you know, in your own personal life. Yeah. And if there, if there isn't anything, or if you kind of get in a slump and, um, um, and you, you know, you put that off or, or something, it, it kind of reveals what was really there in the first place left. or what you were kind of relying on to, <clears throat> yeah. you know, what we were calling a walk with God, I think. You know, it's kind of boiled down some things. You know, we, we talk about idols that we have in our lives and I almost wonder if sometimes even good things become substitutes for a genuine walk with God to make us feel like we're walking with God. You know, you mentioned momentum excitement i think uh i think how much of church and church services are geared towards uh that excitement and, and i think we ought to have an excitement um mm -hmm. you know i uh, uh carrie and i spent many years in, in church planting ministry and we'd go to conferences and and different things and, and we'd see uh we'd see even other how other ministries are doing things and and there's so much uh put into and um I'll say this, even even the entertainment factor, but just the idea of there's activity, there's something going on, and and I think we ought to have activity. I think there ought to be things going on, but um, but uh, I think sometimes we substitute the actual moving of God with things. We we've scheduled these things to where it's like, see, God must be doing something. Look at how full our calendar is, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, there's a song maybe Carrie and I will put it together sometime and share it with you all, but uh, it kind of talks about. What if we just strip away all these things, get rid of the pews, get rid of all the decorations. Uh, in fact, get to the point where even, even the congregation shrinks down to where it's just a few that genuinely want to desire God. And what would happen if we just got real and, and got rid of all that and just sought to meet with God to the point where we're canceling all of our uh, uh, activities and uh, you know seeing friends and, and kind of like, I'm not going to leave my room until God does something in my heart. And well, now a lot of the things have been canceled. There's no more sports. There's no get-togethers. There's none of these things. And and I almost wonder if all the, 
as subtle as it would be, all the idols are stripped away. And now we say, what's left? And it's boiled it down to the, the simplest form and say, are we walking with God? What's left? You know, and, and to, you know, it, you know we, we talk about uh, taking time to read the Bible. We talk about taking time uh, for these things. Well, now there really are no more excuses left. Uh, what's keeping us from the word? What's keeping us from, from the Bible and from praying and seeking the Lord? And, and so I think there's a lot of self-reflection in this time. Do I walk with the Lord? The Bible talks about work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And, uh, and Paul, he's even, he's so burdened for this church. He says, I want you guys to have this, this connection to be knit together in love. Well, what's this love? I think he talked earlier in chapter one about their love for each other. But what is that rooted from? It's from our love from the Lord. And uh, that's really what true charity is, unconditional love. Well, how can a human love another human unconditionally? It's, it's the love of Christ, and, and they have to be secure in their position with Christ before I can love others. You know why offenses fester? Uh, why, uh, why, why grudges hang on? And all of a sudden, we can't even be in the same room with another brother? Uh, it's because you're not settled in the love of God, Christ. And so... Uh, you know, so what do we do? We act like Jesus laid it out. Uh, don't the heathen also do that? You know, love them that love them. But real Christianity is I'm going to love you no matter. And, uh, you know, I've been offended. I've been hurt. By the way, if I've been offended, that's my fault. <laughs> I'm supposed to be dead. Uh, great peace have they which love that law and nothing shall offend them. So uh, what's the Christ, the Christ like? Uh, I'll tell you what. Jesus spent three and a half years knowing Judas would betray him. And none of the disciples felt like he treated Judas any differently. Yeah. Boy, could I do that? It's, it's from the love of Christ. And uh, he knits us together. And then it talks about the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and the Father and of Christ. And then in verse 3, in whom in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it talks about uh, they're knit together in love and have an, an understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God. Now, he spoke earlier of the mystery, this, this, this uh, time period. We can call it the church age, the age of grace. I think, I think the salvation by grace is, has been a revealed mystery that God has revealed through Paul. You know, all of a sudden they're talking about, well, what about all these rituals we've been doing? What about the the sacrifices? What about the feasts and, and all these things? And and he comes, you know, by the time you get to Ephesians, he says, uh, hold on. For by grace are you saved through faith. Mm -hmm. now, this is a mystery that Paul has been revealed. And so we get to this point where the acknowledgement of this mystery of God. And, uh, you know, I love it, you know. Um, uh, yesterday, one of the verses that was used with a young lady that got saved um, was Romans 10. Okay, And there's two aspects to it where it says, if you confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, God raised him from the dead. What happened? There was an acknowledgement of the mystery. Yeah. I believe who Jesus is. I believe what he did. You know? Mm -hmm. um, well, that acknowledgement, I think, is is important because a lot of people who grow up in church run into the same struggle or, or the same confusion. At some point, they they start feeling like um, nothing, there was never a, a time where anything changed. I've just always 
believed mm. everything that you're saying. I, I've always believed this. I've, and we, we hear the phrase, I've always been a Christian a lot. Mm. And intellectually, we know, well, no one's always been a Christian. But, um, but it's kind of hard to draw a line if you grew up in Sunday school as a three-year-old. You knew that Jesus is God and he died on the cross to pay for your sins. And you don't ever remember a time when you didn't believe that. Um, you got to just progress through the years and and then suddenly think, wait, when did I get saved? Yeah. Um, there, there's never been a, a change or a different time. And um, so we're, we're talking about how um, at some point you've got to make a decision, um, not just feeling like, well, I've, I've always known this, so automatically Jesus' payment for sin counts for me also. But, um, but at some point you have to proactively or deliberately, consciously um, kind of nail a stake in the ground and say, from this point forward, I am choosing this for myself. I am claiming this payment for my own sins. It's not just good for everyone else's. I'm claiming it for my own, for mm -hmm. myself. And it's that conscious decision or that I think uh, the Bible's talking about, you know, whosoever shall call. At some point, you've got to make that decision and call for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and, and maybe, you know, there was a point and sometimes you may, may not know the point uh, where I understand, I get it, the lights came on and I, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I, I believe from the heart, but, uh, but I think that, that, that acknowledgement, that outward confession, because another place says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It doesn't say anything about what I say, what I, you know, and, um, and even in Romans uh, 10, where it, where it says that you go down, it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, verse 13. Verse 14, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So they must be believing first. Mm -hmm. How shall they believe in whom, in whom they have not heard? There must be a hearing and the hearing to understand that they'd have the understanding here to the acknowledgement so they can call. And, um, and so I think, I think what it does is it settles in our own heart. Yeah, yeah I acknowledge it here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. And. And, uh, and as well, it kind of uh, lets the devil know, too. <laughs> I've acknowledged it out loud with my mouth. Yeah, see? because even a person could could have, you know, to use the same phrase, made that decision or um, really, um, really understood at, mm. a, at a really young age, you know, four or five years old. But then 20 years later, they don't remember that. Well, they were, you know, could very well have been saved at a really mm. young age. But um, it bothers us if we don't have a, a time to look back on as like a benchmark. Um, it's, so like, like the verse is saying, if we don't have the that understanding, we kind of lack the assurance. Yep. And so I don't see anything wrong with, you know, 20 years later, you're questioning it. You don't remember ever making a decision to just go ahead and, and say, you know, no matter what I've done in the past from here on out, I'm making a decision now. Um, it, I think it just helps our hearts to, to have a, a day to, to look back on. And, and when the devil tries to bring you doubts, you can say, well, I don't know about the past. I might have understood back then. I might not have. But I know that from this date forward that yeah. I have written down in my Bible or whatever it is um, that, uh, that I understood. And um, I've, I've called because I believed. And, and that's all the Bible tells me that there is to do. Yeah, and and there there was a point for me where um, I 
I just said, I don't know if there's anything else that I have to do because the Bible doesn't tell me anything else. All I, all I know that I'm supposed to do is believe, you know, believe what it says. And then, you know, I asked him to save me and I don't know what else there is. And then it was like, that is exact. That's bingo. You know, that, that right. is the faith that is supposed to save you that, um, I'm taking God at his word. And if there's anything else that he hasn't told me, then I guess I'm doomed. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's full faith. <laughs> that is know? taking him at his word. That's yeah. yeah. And that's just it. At some point when you've, when you've trusted him by faith, you've, you've acknowledged who Christ is, uh, the gospel. Um, at some point you step back and you say, uh, well, at his word, um, you know, uh, Paul said to Timothy, from a child that was known the Holy Scriptures, which will make thee wise unto salvation. Uh, it's found in the Scriptures. It's not in a feeling. It's not in a, it's, it's, it's rooted in the Word of God. God has given it to us. And if there's anything else that has not been revealed, then we're all in trouble. And so either God's, God meant what he said, or, or we're all doomed. We're gambling uh, on eternity. And by the way, I guess there's an aspect. It kind of is a gamble. I'm gambling on... God's word, or I'm gambling on man's philosophy, or um, tradition, uh, works, or what have you. There's a verse in, uh, in Romans 8, in uh, verse 14, it says, uh, or verse 15, verse 16, there it is. <laughs> in uh, verse 16, it says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit assures our hearts that we are his children. And uh, sometimes people will say, oh, well, if you have doubts, that's just the devil casting doubts. Maybe, because it says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit, we are the children of God. And, 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 uh, and, uh, and there are times where uh, we may look at it and say, boy, I'm just not living for God like I ought to. And, and, and he'll use that as doubts to attack us and say, say, well, you mustn't be saved then because you're not doing such and such. That's when I step back and say, hold on, my salvation doesn't have to do with that. Um, but I do want to please God. I do want to follow him. And uh, there, there's that aspect. Uh, but the flip side is this. What if you've been religious but never made that step by faith to trust Christ? Your pride got in the way. Well, maybe I just need to work harder and I'll feel more saved. Maybe I'll do more, and, and I think that's the trap we fall into. I, if I just do a little bit more, I'm going to feel saved. I'll feel better about it, and I'm going to I'm going to pray more with my family, and I'm going to do you know get more involved in the church. We have this this list of things, and and uh, and all we're doing is we're adding on to that self righteousness, and uh, and we haven't fallen into it. And so maybe it's the Holy Spirit calling as well, saying, "You've never settled this. You've never you never rooted this." There's one verse uh, uh, also in Romans, and then. Uh, and then we'll uh, we'll be done. Um, While you're looking for that, yeah. um, I was thinking if if you're saved and it's the devil trying to make you doubt that you're saved, you should be able to real quickly just say, "Well, God's not a liar, and yep. he so I am saved because I've believed and I've you know he he's the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a very definite term." Um, it, it's not that, it, you know, it's, you're very likely to be saved. I hope that I'll be saved, but you shall be saved if you yeah. call upon him because you believed in him. And so, you know, tell the devil to get lost. Um, if you can't do that, then I don't think it's the devil making you doubt. I think it's the Holy Spirit trying to make you seek him. Yeah. And so, uh, so you got to have something to point back to. And let me just say this. It must be connected to scripture. 
Um, I've asked people this, uh, how do you know you're saved for a Bible reason? And if I just say, how do you know you're saved? They're like ready. And like, they say for a Bible reason, they're like, <laughs> uh, make sure it's rooted in, in what God said. When it's there, we can say, well, God said this, and that's what I believe uh, from the heart, and uh, I'm not going to be swayed. And, uh, and, and I do think that concept of uh, if I'm wrong about this, if I'm wrong about God, um, uh, you know, it, it all hinges on him if he's going to keep his word. That's real faith, honestly. Yeah, um, if God doesn't keep his no, word, I don't have There's no answer. insurance policy. There's no plan B. And, uh, and I, I really think that's a great example of, of you know, Christ or nothing. It all falls apart. And um, maybe, maybe some, some others. I mean, this, this was three people in our small church that have been dealing with this this week. Um, maybe there are some others that are questioning, you know, am I really saved? And, and you've got some doubts. And, and um, you know, it's so easy to look. And, you know, this is our human thinking. It's so easy to look and say, well, of course I'm saved. Look at what I've done. Of course I'm saved. Look at, look at how I've been a blessing to others. Of course I'm saved. Look at, we, we look at all these things that are great Christian virtues, but Christian virtues don't save anybody. And um, um, uh, so it says this in Romans 10. Now, Paul's talking about the Jews. Uh, he himself was a Jew. He had a burden for his own people. And, uh, and he said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is they might be saved, is Romans 10. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God. You see, that was me. Uh, I had this great desire for God, and man, I wanted to serve Him, and I wanted to follow Him as a young teenager. And he says, but not according to knowledge. Remember in Colossians, we're talking about this knowledge, that, that this assurance that is found uh, to you know, acknowledging the truth, uh, this, this wisdom and this knowledge that is coming. Uh, this, this zeal is not according to knowledge of God. Uh, uh, or to knowledge, we ask self knowledge of what? Of God. It's a zeal for God, but it's not rooted in knowledge. Verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness uh, and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted, excuse me, submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. What a powerful statement. But he says this, they're ignorant of God's righteousness, God's perfection, God's holiness, who God is. And it says, what are they trying to do? They're trying to go about establishing their own righteousness. Now, listen, I don't, I don't care who you are. You will never do a mountain, a, 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 the right amount of righteous deeds to match God's righteousness. Now, you might be a good person. You might be better than the guy next door. You might be better than Charles Manson. I hope so. Uh, you might be better all these things. But the reality is, he's, the, the standard we're comparing to is God's righteousness. They're ignorant of God's righteousness. Now, he says this, they have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law. It, it, it's such an awesome word. What must I do to be saved? Submit. Give up. Yield. You know, however many ways we can say it. Christ is the end of the law. He fulfilled the law. He completed it. He did what we could not ever do. And, uh, and he did it for us. He died for our sins, according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again, according to the scriptures. That's it. It was finished. And, and so what do we do? We simply submit. Lord, 
there's nothing I can bring. There's no way that I could establish my righteousness to the level of the righteousness that is demanded by God. So I submit to what Christ did for me. The Bible says that he who knew no sin, Christ, became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, this is the doctrine of imputation. Big word, here's what it means. In, in Romans 4, it talks about that God imputes, puts into our account his very righteousness without any works. And on the other side, does not put into our account our sin. Because those were taken from us and placed on the cross of Calvary, which we'll see in a few days in Colossians 2 here. And uh, what an amazing thing. You see, we're trying to feel saved. We're trying to uh, soothe our, appease our conscience. We're trying to get that voice to quit bugging us. You need to get saved. You need to get saved. You need to submit, submit, submit. And at some point, it's like, Lord, if I'm saved, it's going to be because you saved me. If I'm going to heaven, it's because you brought me there. And, uh, and, and we simply, by faith, believe, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, what God has said about his Son, and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You know, we put this huge dissertation on things. Um, uh, you know, and, and uh, I, I actually have a, a sermon uh, from, from many years ago by uh, Jonathan Edwards. And it was a 70-page typed sermon on the doctrine of justification. <laughs> but, you know, I really only need a couple verses to understand them and realize, uh, boy, he did it all. There's nothing left to do. And so by faith, I just submit and receive it. I call Whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. You see, all these things bring it to a point where man, man has nothing in this thing. You know, we love to try to make ourselves look better and try to brag. And even the disciples, remember, they're, they're like, Lord, um, you know, Jesus talks about, guys, I'm going to be taken soon and crucified. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, who's going to be on your right hand in the kingdom? And who's going to be on the left hand? Because, you know, we're talking among ourselves, and, you know, and, uh, and I think we do that. So, so God put this brilliant tag on the end of, of Ephesians uh, 2, um, uh, where it says uh, in verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works. Now, if he ended there, there's enough there that we can go on. And then he says, lest any man should boast. And we start saying, well, I, of course I'm going to have, look at what I've done. Of course I'm going to be there. Look at, you know, uh, in fact, I should be at Christ's right hand. That's, no, no, you're missing it altogether. There is nothing any one of us can boast about when it comes to our salvation. He got us there. Mm -hmm. and it's all Him. And we simply, by faith, submit. Submit to the righteousness of God. By faith. Uh, for Christ is the end of the law. There's no more law. There's nothing, nothing to do. We submit. And uh, what a wonderful salvation we have. Make sure you've worked out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Got any last words? <laughs> mm. Um one of the, the things I think keeps people from taking care of it and just, you know, making sure that they know they're saved. Um, I like the, the saying that you should know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. Mm -hmm. um, for a Bible reason. But 
I think just one of the biggest hindrances is wondering what people are going to think yes. if you admit that you're not saved or you admit that you're not really sure that you're saved because everybody's going to think all of these things. Yeah. Um, it's just a, a trick of the devil. Nobody is going to think anything negatively yeah. about you for doing that. Um, nobody's going to judge you. This people getting saved, no matter who they are, is the ultimate thing that we as Christians are hoping for and working for. Yeah. Um, and nobody is anything but ecstatic and excited for anyone who gets saved. Um, there's a story of a of a pastor's wife. You might remember the details better than I do. But um, she had struggled for years with knowing that she had never gotten saved. But um, week after week, she just refused to, you know, get saved, whether in a, during service or at home or anything, because she didn't want anybody to know that she hadn't been saved up to that point, because how would it make her husband look? What would her mm. husband think about her? Well, how would it affect the ladies in the church who have been taking her advice over the years and, and all of these things? And she would just mull over those over and over. And um, finally, one Sunday morning service, she was so overcome with the urgency of it that um, she said that she stood up during the invitation at the end of the service and she looked at her husband in the pulpit and said, I'm not going to hell for you. I'm not <laughs> going to hell for any of the rest of you. I need to be saved. Yeah. And at, at some point you got to realize that no matter what anybody thinks, it's um, it's not worth risking your judgment day. <laughs> for. Yeah, and you, you know, the reality is she wouldn't have gone to hell for them. It would have been for herself. Yeah. It's, that's called pride. Um, one of the things I heard this week was, uh, was, you know, are people gonna think that I was putting on a show? People gonna think, you know, uh, no, because uh, religious people do what religious people do. But now we're talking about saved people. And uh, it's time to... And so many people yeah. struggle with the same thing. Yeah. We've said before I know, that... Yeah, I know yeah, a pastor's yeah. daughter uh, went through the same thing, got saved pretty late in life. And... But, I don't know, we've talked about how it seems like the majority of people who are really fervently on fire for God, as as we've heard a lot of people's testimonies, the majority of them uh, were people who grew up in church, felt like they were saved forever, their entire lives. And then at some point, whether as a teenager or a young adult, um, they they started thinking, wait, when did that happen yeah. for me? And they kind of resettled it as a as a teenager or a young adult. Yeah. And from that point forward, that's really when when um, the they started changed. following yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like I said, if there's anybody that's kind of struggling with the, these things, uh, please reach out. We'd love to share with you what the Bible has to say, and maybe even uh, put to rest some of those fears or concerns. Uh, maybe it's just a security issue. I want I want some more assurance. I want to know what the Bible says, and and uh, you know he talks about that full assurance. And uh, so, wonder what a wonderful thing that uh, that we have a God that will offer full assurance. I think of that Fanny Crosby song, "Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine." Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, and uh, just knowing that I'm going to be with him. It's a foretaste. It's a little hint of heaven, a taste of heaven. Man, I'm going to be there one day with my Savior. And what an exciting thought. Uh, sure appreciate you all. And, uh, and like I said, please reach out if you have uh, uh, any concern about this. And if you have any prayer requests, we'd love the privilege to be able to pray for you. And, um, and uh, But we sure appreciate you all. And I hope you have a tremendous week. God bless you.